You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back, everyone, as we dive Finn too deep. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason, joined, of course, by Neil Driscoll. Neil, last time we spoke to everyone, we had just completed the hiring of Mike McDaniel. Um, now we're starting to see the coaching staff fill out. Um, you know, there's questions in place of what's X's future, what's Ogba's future, what's Gesicki's future. Um, but, you know, reverting back to the coaching staff right now, the coaching staff just looks really, really, really impressive. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, he's kind of, you know, he's behind, kind of been crafting like a Michelangelo, a piece of artwork over here with what he's building. Um, and, you know, I think it gives Dolphin fans a lot of reason to be excited. Um, Frank Smith, the former offensive line coach, um, the man who developed Darren Waller, um, a former offensive line coach for the Chargers, developed a Darren Waller in Oakland. He's now the new offensive coordinator. And we knew we weren't going to get an experienced guy because McDaniel said, I'm going to be calling plays. Josh Boyer is staying on as a DC. Danny Crossman, your favorite. Uh, Neil is staying on as special teams coordinator. But since then, you know, Anthony Campanelli is staying on as linebacker coach. Tyrone McKenzie has been hired as outside linebacker coach. Austin Clark staying on as DL coach. Um, you know, Josh Boyer, politic Gerald Alexander out of the room. So we have an opening at safety and defensive backs coach, but it's the offensive staff. You know, Matt Applebaum, the offensive lineman uh, coach from Boston College. You know, he had four um, all ACC linemen under him this year. Eric Studesville has been retained as an associate coach and a running back coach, so kind of a demotion, obviously. Wes Welker love it, has been brought back, as well as Sam Madison. Wes Welker's the wide receiver coach, Sam Madison the cornerback coach. Um, Chandler Henley, his former teammate at Yale, um, and former offensive line assistant in Atlanta, is now the assistant quarterback coach, and arguably the best non-head coaching hire of this offseason, Daryl Bevel. Love it, man. As the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, the man who Brett Favre followed from Green Bay to Minnesota, the man who banged the table for Russell Wilson and gave Russell Wilson a top 10 offense in his first four years in this NFL and developed very instrumental in developing him. You know, he's with Matt Stafford in Detroit. Um, he took over interim head coach in Detroit too. He took over as interim head coach in Jacksonville when Urban Meyer got fired, and you know he he helped with J Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is a proven, legitimate guy that we can lean on. A guy who has been to two Super Bowls and won one as a core offensive coordinator. I mean, Neil, how can you not get excited? How can you not get amped up? And how can you not be full of hope? when you look at how this staff is coming together under Mike McDaniel. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could legitimately say there's six or seven guys on this staff that would have been the second best coach on the entire Dolphins coaching staff outside of Brian Flores. You know, love him, hate him. He's a good defensive coach. But I, I, you've upgraded across the board so many spots. Uh, the one that stands out to me in terms of a, the just dramatic upgrade is Matt Applebaum out of Boston College. You know, you, you talked about it with Alec Lindstrom, Zion Johnson, Tyler Vrabel, Ben Petrula. You know, they, he had a absolute stud. I, I believe it was a top five ranked collegiate offensive was, line. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a smash mouth type of hire. Um, I, I love that upgrade. There's three coaches that we hired that I just think are absolute home runs. You nailed the first one, Daryl Bevel. When we yep. when we first fired Brian Flores and we were in spaces and we were talking, the thing I always said about Doug Peterson that made him attractive were his connections. And the mm -hmm. two names I named were Mike Zimmer and Daryl Bevel. Mm -hmm. The reason that Daryl Bevel is not the offensive coordinator for Doug Peterson is he wanted to get the hell out of Jacksonville. That relationship was strained. He was the interim head coach. He didn't believe he got a fair shake at the coaching staff. You know, one one person's trash is another man's treasure. treasure. Love it. I, I love Daryl Bevel here. I think that's the number one move that Mike McDaniel's made. I, I I honestly think it's such a home run. Um, you know, I love I still love the John Embry's uh, um, hiring uh, from San Francisco tight ends coach. Um, I know it's been. That's the the oldest, uh, stalest hiring they had, but I, I love that. Um, Frank Smith is a guy I really truly believe. love. It three to five years, he's going to be on the the head coaching candidate yep. for sure. I, I really believe that. That I mean, just some of these hires. I, I mean, it, it's exciting. And then and then Wes Welker. I mean, I just think when you have a guy as talented as Jalen Waddle, and yep. you have a guy who is so nuanced as a route route runner and such a good savvy veteran player uh he was and he's seen as a coach he's got such a bright future love that Wes Welker came awesome and a guy he, like Lynn Bowden for him to help you know well look you know you got to look at it like this right he took the same role in the Dolphins that he had at San Francisco lateral what does that yeah. tell you right what does that tell you how much faith he has and belief he has in Mike McDaniel as a coach a teacher in his vision yeah Dolphins didn't make the playoffs 49ers in the NFC championship but he took a lateral move that tells me a love lot it. And, and, and as did John Embry, let's be honest. I know he got let go, right. but it was a lateral move in terms of well, he didn't want to take a pay cut, you know, like yeah. and, and that was, you know, sometimes unfortunately that's how they, they force you out of places. But just just an amazing staff. I, I'm so excited about this, man. I mean, like, you know, I know we all wanted Vic Fangio, and that would have been, you know, that would have been freaking just an absolute and he turned everyone down. He's not coaching. Yeah, anymore. you know, so you know, and, and who knows? Is he getting he paid about. still, right? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm indifferent on the Josh Boyer. I want to see who I want to see exactly with the defense, wait and see approach with the offense. I'm hyped. And I'm going to tell you, Mike McDaniel right now has my hopes for free agency in the draft through the roof. But Boyer, you better find that 2020 form because I'm telling you, like I told Neil before we, we started recording, McDaniel's playing ball with the idea this year. But if that offense takes a massive leap forward and our defense takes a noticeable step backwards when Boyer's calling the shots, you know McDaniel can earn that cachet with what he's done with the offense. Because if it takes that big step forward, that means he's made Tua the guy. Yep. And he's going to walk into Ross's office with his newfound cachet and he's going to say, hey, look what I did to the offense in one offseason. Let me pull out my Rolodex once more and start building your defense because I said to everyone, Neil, other than the two, the positions um, with Leonard 
you know, <clears throat> going over um, to the Ravens, I believe it was, right, with Godsey. With um, God, our, yep. Yeah, our linebacker coach. And with Gerald Alexander being replaced. And then, you know, we have originally thought Burks was going to be back, right? And then it came out he left to Cincinnati for a lateral move. There really wasn't a lot of openings for Mike McDaniel to start bringing in his guys. And what I thought the smart move would have been, Neil, get the guys at those positional, you know, coaching positions that 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 you know, get them to understand the personnel, get them to understand what you're trying to run because we know he comes from like a zone heavy type of system over in San Francisco. You know, cuz you know what, I'm going to tell you this, if I'm going to be rooting for the Jets to flame out because if Robert Sala gets fired, who do you think is going to be knocking on his door for him to become his DC next year? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very, you fair... know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. like, I wanted him to get a couple of his guys in place and he has a chance. Now he brought on Sam Madison and he brought on Tyrone McKenzie. Now he's got another chance to add on one of his guys, get your guys in place. So if the guys, they wanted you to keep, the Boyers, the Campanellis, et cetera, fail, the Austin Clarks fail, you've got your guys that can move up, right? That can understand the players, connect, form bonds with the players, and understand overall the defensive vision that you want to execute with this style of personnel that we have right now, right? Because they come from more of a, a 4-3 wide nine defense, right, over in San Francisco. We don't run that. So, you know, that's what we ran back when, like, Gase was around. Yeah. So, yeah. Great points, man. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I think McDaniels, you know, he, he acquiesced a little bit probably on some of the things when he came in here. Young guy, you know, you know, I, I think that he's focused on building this offense. If the defense takes a step back, but the offense takes two forward, I, I, I'm great with it. But Neil, uh, Boyer finds that 2020 form when he was apparently the play caller. Oh boy, yeah. I, I think I think we're seeing the foundation built the right way for the first time in a while, right? Like you're getting a good coaching staff. You're yeah. not getting all these like rookie coaches coming in here with young players and expect- all the betas. Yeah, you're, you're you're changing the culture of the coaching staff. You're changing the culture of the organization, though. Like just in his short tenure, Mike McDaniel has been so fun as a head coach. He's been very transparent. It's not the Bill Belichick, Brian Flores monotone. We're a boring organization. We're going to be pissed if you ask us questions, and we're going to smile and lie at you every single time you ask something, right? I think that's awesome. I think that that's a good way to be. I think they're adding an edge to to the organization. guy like Sam Madison comes in. Man, Sam Madison's one of my favorite players of all time. Imagine him, X, Byron Jones, and Nick Needham just sitting around talking about preparing and how those guys can get better and Sam Madison just dropping knowledge and them just sharing stories. Imagine being a fly on the wall in that corner room. I mean, I that would be it. kind of awesome, dude. I'm not going to lie. I, I love it, man. Sam Madison's such a feisty competitor. I mean, I, I, I God, man, I, I, I just love that he's back in this organization. I remember seeing him on the sideline during the playoffs in the chiefs. And man, I just had like kind of deja vu about, you know, thinking about him on Sunday night football Pick six, it, you know. I mean, I just I love Sam Madison to have him back. Uh, it, it just it's, it's been a really fun um staff that we've seen put together. Um, he, he answered a lot of questions, right? Like when we when we were 
getting to the point where we all knew Mike McDaniel was going to be the guy, the question we all asked us is, but what staff could he bring? Mm-hmm. He's exceeded my expectations. Um, and, and see, me- this is the difference between be- when, like, this is what happens when you have no ego, when you have, when you don't let your pride hold you down, and you build a Rolodex and look at all the different places. McDaniel and all the different streams that McDaniel is plucking from right now. Yeah. Like, look at it. There's no, you know, there's tie-ins, but all these guys have a tie-in to the Shanahan system some way, but they've all gone down their separate paths. You know what I mean? Like, and he's pulling people back and you go look at what Flores and Patricia was the same way. It's like, if you weren't from new England, they didn't want anything to do with you. Right. No, you're right. And, and I, I honestly like, I hated Brian Flores' pressers. I, I couldn't stand oh, the words. Like, I can't wait for these pressers, bro. Oh. Well, there's just there was just no value to them. Like you didn't get real information. You no, got a nothing. Yeah, focus, focus, and and I just yeah. like be transparent to your fans and fan base. If you run a good organization, you don't have to tell them everything you're doing. No, yeah. But there's a there's a vision you can share, and you know, like, I, sure, is it a competitive advantage if people? But don't the know- amount of people that bought it, Neil, like. I remember, you know, I pretty much, you know, last off season, at least in this community, I basically like, you know, came out here and trademarked the phrase, it ain't all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows, right? And then people ran with it. It's just like, you know, shout out to the homie Big O, but Jabroni Brisket, Jabroni Brisket, that started with me on Finside the NFL. But anyways, I digress. You know, when, when... I don't know. My whole issue with, you know, I would get my Zoom invites and I wanted nothing to do with them at times, you know, like, yeah, you know, and it's it's crazy because I would tell everyone it all ain't sunshine, lollipops and rainbows from what I'm hearing. But because he they gave, you know, the players and the coaches under Flores were clearly instructed to give such vague generic pr answers everyone thought everything was a-okay and people bought into that mess but it'll be and for someone like me that and i'm sure you too that heard things that were going on really behind the scenes it kind of made you made you look at him even more funny it was just like it was just kind of like i don't know you kind of like, you know, he's blatantly lying to people that don't know what's really going on is what you got. You know what I mean? And it's like, I always felt that there wasn't very, you know, there was not a lot of shred of uh, being up front and being forward and being truthful. Like, I'm not saying he was lying or, you know, I'm just saying it was very vague answers that there was no truth. There was no lie to, it was just, it was what you would say about player A or player B. It's not what you'd say about specifically Xavier Howard or Tua Tungvaloa. You know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. like, like I remember when he had that Zoom. Do you remember that Zoom where he told everyone that he had lunch with Tua? Yeah. And he let everyone – Like, I heard directly that that was a lie, that that never happened. I heard, And I heard that from inside Tua's camp, bro, that that never happened, that that was a lie, that they never had lunch like that. Well, it's obvious that they didn't have. But good it was just a PR spin to make him because it was in. The, remember that was in the middle of the Watson rumors being at the heaviest. They were like climaxing at that time, right? But that was his version of of PR cleanup. Of oh no, it's okay. See, like we just had lunch and I was transparent with them, and two was our quarterback. And it's like, bro, I know that lunch never happened. I you know, know like, it didn't happen. 
and Tua, and Tua being the good company guy that he is. Will never he, throw anyone under the bus. Yeah. He throws himself under the bus. Like, Aww. listen, man, again, someone in Tua's camp. Everyone ran with, you know, Tua said he didn't know the playbook really, really good. And, blah, 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 blah. and I kept telling people, if you listen to the context of that interview, he's avoiding throwing Chan Gailey under the bus. But if you go back earlier in the season, I believe it was either the Chargers game or the Chiefs game, post-game. It was when, remember, when Tua said that him and the players weren't on the same page as Gailey, and they had ideas and things they wanted to do, and Gailey wanted to do other things, and, you know, they had to get on the same page with Gailey because they were were asking him, okay, well, why do you want to do that? You know, he was even politely, like, that was the most you would get under him. But if you know, if you understand Tua the person and the culture he comes from, that's Tua throwing you under the bus. Yeah, like yeah. if if you and I had someone in his camp tell me, listen, the whole playbook thing and all that jazz, all he was doing was basically saving asses out there. Like that was basically his nice way of saying the coaches didn't do a very good job of preparing me and teaching me very well. But Tua, the leader he is, he just put it on his plate. Well, and but yeah. and people, Tua haters refuse to believe that. But that's exactly what happened. Like, people don't realize that Gailey wanted nothing to do with Tua's development and Tua being the guy. He was there for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Fitzpatrick only. You know, as bad as it was for Tua in his first two years and how everything was lined up against him, we're seeing complete opposite right now with Mike McDaniel. They're going to build this team around Tua. So, I, I, I like people, you know, we all know what the Dolphins' needs are. But they're going to build this line. They're hiring yeah. coaches that are going to make these this team tougher and more educated. I think we're going to see a better Austin Jackson. I really do. I, I'm not as hopeful as on, on Liam Eichenberg because no. I, I I think he's no. a little stiff. The he traits. It's the traits. Yeah. But exactly. I, I think Austin Jackson, if you look at it, right? Like you can't have. He's got the traits. Five, he's going to stay. You can't have yeah. five all pros. You can't have a Larry no. Allen. He's going to stay. I think but it's going to be Jackson, where does he fit, bro? Is he going to be your swing tackle? tackle? Left tackle. I, really? I, I, think, I think they're going to hunt Darren. I think to because of the Frank Smith tie, I think they're going to go after Taron Armstead, dude. Yeah, they could. I, Taron I, Armstead, ter, you know, Frank Smith's the one that scouted him and, you know, pushed to draft him, right? You know, you, my, my plan, you know, my plan, we talked about this before. On, I, I like Taron Armstead. I, I'm worried that he's going to be 31 the when he starts yeah, and the yeah. injuries. I'd rather for the same cost as Taron Armstead get two players, and that's Ryan Jensen and Lakin Tomlinson. I think you get both those players. I think they're going to target all three, bro. I do not do not put that past them. I, I'm really – we'll talk about them in a minute, but the Gusecki thing is going to give us answers. I don't know if they're going to pay Ogba. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – I, I think – X's bump up will be between two to five million. I think they'll keep him. But to your offensive line po- point, I mean, think about this: Mike McDaniel, Frank Smith, Chandler Henley, Matt Applebaum, John right. Embry. Right. All of those guys have ties at coaching the offensive line at one point or another. They have literally brought in five guys scattered throughout that offensive staff. Like, think of Matt Applebaum can lean on Embry Henley. Frank Smith and Mike McDaniel as a, a first-time offensive line coach in the NFL, and he's already a damn good offensive line coach in college. Like, do you realize 
I'm telling you, and if you got to read between the tea leaves and what he's saying, it was what, what, which one was it? You'll remember. Was it the, the Travis Wingfield or was it the, uh, the, uh, Joanna Torres one where he sat down and he said, um, he talked about the offensive line and he basically implied, you know, that there's gonna, you know, there's some good things, but it might have even been the Dan Lebetard one. Yeah, I don't think it was. Wing- I, I watched the Wingfield. It was one the Lebetard one that I think where he said he basically implied he was going to infuse veterans in here. Like he yeah. literally, basically, I think, you know, because didn't he say we have enough young guys or something like that? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I think what's going to happen. You, you're on the right pace, but you yeah. know, I, I, I watched that Wingfield interview and Travis did a really good job with it. I think uh, it was the Dan Lebetard one when the one where he said Waddle. I watched the film, where he said I've watched the film and stuff. When he was, was yelling Waddle. <laughs> yeah, it was Levitard or Joe Rose, now that I think about it. When he said, I watched the... It was, the person asked him, you're taking over like a historically bad offensive line. And that's when he said, you know, I've watched the film. And, you know, he said there's some good things. And he basically said there's some guys that are going to stick. He basically paraphrasing, but he basically said, there's going to be guys that stick. There's going to be guys that don't. And we've got enough young guys. We need some veteran inf- infusion. Like that, I'm telling you, if Lakeland Tomlinson hits free agency, I've been told pencil him in. Ryan Jensen, I he makes even more sense because I know you've been pushing for him. I've been pushing him on my platform too. He makes even more sense with Frank Smith because Frank Smith took over. He went out and got Corey Lindsley right away. Yeah, and and Ryan Jensen, they run his own scheme in Tampa, so that makes a ton of sense. I think Dieter. I really think Dieter, you know, I think he's a back. I think he can battle it out at a guard position, but I really honestly think I would not be surprised if going into next year, we have a new center, a new left guard, a new left tackle, and the right side hunt is the one that sticks. And I do not think they play Eichenberg at right tackle. I I think Dieter could be a potential cap casualty with a 2.5 hit. I really do. If he's not, I would guy, keep him as a guard. He he makes sense in the system as a guard. Yeah, you know my operation build a bully is really four. He simple, moves four <sighs> simple moves, and the three free agents I'm signing. You name two of them: Lakin Tomlinson, Ryan Jensen. The third free agent that I want Trent? to build. No, Pat Ricard, a fullback from Baltimore. Oh, you want to go a fullback? Okay, I love Pat Ricard. He's smash mouth, 315 pounds, moves well, can catch the ball. Lights people up. So, Game. what are you doing at right tackle? So, I, I'm in round two. I'm taking either Falele or, or Abraham, Abraham Lucas. Lucas yeah. Yep, and I, I and I'm all right with keeping all. Abraham guys. Lucas makes a ton, of, and I would if I hit that, bro. I've been talking about that kid for like two years. If I hit on Abraham Lucas, bro, and they draft him like in the YouTube community well, where all the receipts are. Oh my god! I, well, I think that, that's it. your starting five, and then your your three backups would be Eichenberg, Solomon Kinley. And Michael, uh, he's Dieter. gone. You think he's going to get cut straight up? Kinley, yeah. He does. He's not fleet of foot enough, not athletic enough. You know, his big issue is what? Pulling, right? And if you look at it, the reason why a guy like Austin Jackson is going to stick around, if you look at it, his athleticism, his footwork, sh- crap, but his fleet of footness is really good, right? Because he got quick feet. And what's his strengths? Pulling and in the screen game, right? So that plays into what they want to do. Kinley weaknesses pulling screen game not very good right because he's not athletic he's overweight and he's overweight on top of not being athletic i don't think he makes a ton of sense keep sticking around bro he's just so cheap i i i don't like i nothing surprised me when you're you're those bubble guys 
I, I think Austin because they're going to want to rebuild that offensive line in their vision. See, Austin Jackson's athletic profile is going to be what saves his ass in Miami. Well, and he's a decent run blocker, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, okay. It depends who's next pass, to him. Bro. It always depends who's next to him, right? People, yeah, like, that's if you look Tomlinson, at that's an upgrade. Oh, I agree, bro. But I, okay. So, I right now would try him in year one, even if you got to get a stopgap guy at left tackle. I would make him my swing. I don't yeah. know if I would put. Come on, man, we're really going to go back to this. I mean, well, again, I mean, if you if you look at your offensive line, though, you're going to have from left to right, and I and I'll skip left tackle. You're going to have Tomlinson, Jensen, and Hunt in the middle, which is okay, just that's fantastic. That's a well, and and I and I think either Falele or Abraham Lucas as true rookies can come in and play at a better level than anyone else. Well, Falele worried me after the senior bowl a little bit, uh, but, but, but you remember Orlando Brown had a rough, everything. Oh, no, no, no. I love, I've loved Daniel Falele. What I've loved about his growth, Daniel Falele's growth, because you know me two years ago, who did I love as a day three wide receiver? I was all on the Tyler Johnson train last mm-hmm. year. Who was the receiver at all other than Waddle that I loved, you know, Rashad Bateman, right? So I've been watching Minnesota closely, and I've been watching Dan. And I give that kid props because he could have came out last year and he said, no, I want to go back and get better. So Mm -hmm. I give him props. Huge build. I think Abraham Lucas right now is kind of more technically sound, I want to say. Yeah, more Um, more pro-ready. Yeah, exactly. Philele still needs to be. But McDaniel and the staff we have, I mean – I'm not bro. Go get the rawest prospect, and I believe that. But my whole issue is here, and you know I love Abraham Lucas, and you know I love Daniel Falele. They're my top two right tackles, other than Evan Neal because he can play both sides in this draft. Okay, sure. so I love him. All right, my issue is, you know, and this is why if they don't go after Trent Taron Armstead. I'm down with them going after a Trent Brown. Aren't we ready to kind of get like, we need one of these tackles to be a veteran and Austin Jackson isn't a veteran yet. And I, and another rookie, you know what I mean? Like I'm fine. This is why I'm fine with Austin Jackson being a swing and one of those tackles being a vet. And one of those other tackles being a guy they draft. I'm totally down with that. But I am not down with Austin Jackson and a guy they draft because I got to put up with learning curve on one side, and then I got to put up with potential. We've seen it nightmare on the other, and I don't want to be in a process where we're stuck where they get to training camp and they realize, oh shit, this Austin Jackson kid, yeah, he's a backup, and then they turn around and now we're scrambling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you, you. You, you should have some kind of insurance policy. Well, I want either Austin Jackson or the rookie we draft, because I only want one or the other, to have another veteran good to really good defensive, uh, sorry, offensive tackle they can lean on when they're going. Dude, all these guys have had to lean on is Jesse Davis. Go get them a Trent Brown. Go get them a Taron Armstead. Some of them they can lean on. I know Brandon Albert was banged up when we got him, but God Damn, it was a fun ride for those couple of years when he was healthy, especially that unicorn year when we yeah, had yeah. Laramie Tunsil next to him. You know, go get a veteran. These guys can freaking, like, I wouldn't, you know, I know back in December he got 
shut down by the Texans because I heard back in December, as I'm sure you did, Laramie Tunsil's been on the training block. And I think even me and you have talked about where if they're going to, at the time, I think Watson's dead now in terms of coming to Miami. But at the time when the Watson talks were alive, me and you said, okay, well, go get Tunsil too, right? Like I'll give, I'll give you know, nine for Tunsil all day long. I right? will give you exactly all day long. Like this. Like, you got to ask yourself, are you going to get a better player in the first round than Larry Tunsil? And I don't think you are. Because I'll of- give him, I'll give him twenty nine and a player. I like get the, get Larry Tunsil back here for the next ten years. Hell, I'll do it. And I'll I think he'd be down, bro. Oh, he loved it here. He even, you know, he he, he was cool about he it. He was the one that told them to take the trade, dude, because he said, "Hell, I'd do it." You know what I mean? Hey, look, like- if that rumor that the, that because I was in that spaces with the Houston guy, and, and you know, I don't I don't know much about the Houston fan base and who's credible well i know he's been available i've heard i've heard since december when they he was good to come back and they shut him down because they didn't want him potentially getting hurt again because they were getting ready to explore trade options and now it's kicked into high gear and now houston people are coming out and saying well now i heard this back in december yeah but here here's a question wouldn't you take laramie tunsil all day over taron armstead 110 percent. me too if you got Laramie Tunsil, Lakeland Tomlinson, and um, Ryan Jensen, are you kidding me? Bro, I don't even need you. You know the flexibility that gives us in the draft? We can draft a wide receiver or a running back at 29, and we're okay. Then we can turn around and get our linebacker in the second round. I know you like Muma and someone like that. You can go do that. And the flexibility—if you get this offensive line right, the flexibility it will give you. I am—that's why I'm fine with almost all the allocate all your money and fixing the offensive line. I'm totally cool with that because I know the flexibility it will give us in the draft, and I know they could still add a guy like well, Raheem Moser to the to the to, or Jeff Wilson back there on the on the cheap plus draft a running back to go with them, and then I'm sure Salvin Ahmed or Miles Gaskin are going to stick because we got Ahmed from them, and I know they didn't want to leave Ahmed, and him and Gaskin are the same type of athletic profile. That's why I think Duke Johnson might not be back. Philip Lindsay would actually make sense to bring back in this scheme. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's and options. You, I don't know if you saw Miles Gaskins got a, is another guy whose salary jumped from like eight hundred thousand to two point five million. I'd cut him. Yeah, I, I would too. <laughs> yeah, I'd he keep has- either Salvin Ackman or Philip Lindsay if you're going to keep any of our remaining guys because they make sense in your scheme. Other than or, you know, other than that, I would move on from pretty much. And I want to keep Duke Johnson, but. I don't think they're going to because Jeff Wilson will be cheap. Raheem Moser will be cheap. And I know McDaniel thinks the world of Moser. And then they're going to probably draft. Remember last year they drafted Trey, Mo- Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Remember? Yeah. I, they, but here's the one thing we got to think of, man. They need to do work to that receiver core outside of Bowden. They're and going Jalen to model. Man, uh, the I move would have been my friend. The, the effing power move would have been, but he got hurt would have been Gallup. Because you would have got him on so cheap compared well, to the other guys. He would have been perfect in our offense, but he, like he tore his Achilles or his ACL, right? So he's out. Like the guy that makes sense, but and I don't think he'll be as expensive as last year, but it'll be expensive. Allen Robinson in this offense would make a ton I, of I sense. Still, I still heard he's going to hit at least 15 million a season. Yeah. I mean, so, well, okay, ask yourself this would you rather pay 13 to 15 million for Gasecki or 15 million for Robinson? My answer is C, $11.1 million for Calvin Ridley. I don't – okay, so I don't know if they're going to do that. And the reason why, dude – got to give a draft capital. And you got to pay him. 
after this year. Yeah. I, I, and, I and what 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 was and what still lingers in that room a little of the Parcells effect and what was one of Parcells' biggest rules? Never trade for a guy you got to pay because you got to pay for him twice. You got to give up draft capital and then you got to pay him money. Now, I'm ready for Calvin Ridley. Bring him home. Let's go. I just don't know if they'll do it because he's is he is he's 26 or 27 too, right? He is in his rookie deal. He's a senior. He, 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 uh -uh. He's 20. He's got to be at least uh, 26, 27. Okay. 27 when the season starts. Okay. I think he's a top eight guy in the league. I'm 110% down. I just don't know if they're going to trade for him and then, you know, give up the capital and then pay him. Yeah. No, it's good. And that's why, honestly, man, like I'm not going to touch a mock draft in a lot of detail until free agency free this agency, year. Exactly. Because we are going to understand their draft. You know, I'll still drop some big boards. But, like, I'm going to be very specific. Like, I'm drafting my uh, running back and probably my wide receiver big board because I do think both are possibilities to be drafted even if we dip in free agency, you know, late, late mid-rounds. So I'll still drop them before free agency. But it won't be till after free agency till I decide if I'm going to drop, like, a tackle board or a center board or a guard board or whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah. No, I I'm with you. Now, while we're being positive, can I can I actually be really negative for a minute? Because I'm actually as happy as I am about the coaching staff, where the Dolphins are headed. I'm completely, completely appalled by the NFL because Zach Thomas didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. I well, am. They do Richmond dirty too, buddy. Richmond Webb not being in the Hall of Fame is. I am sick. An atrocity. I'm sick, and, and I'm and I don't, I don't want to besmirch any of the names of the other candidates that got in. But I kind of have to say the name. Sam Mills has no business being in the Hall of Fame before Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas now remember, we're speaking we're speaking of the dead right now before we go in right now. Just no, so you know. He's a great football <laughs> player. But like, oh, no, he is. But he's not Zach Thomas. And, and it's not even just Zach Thomas. How the hell did DeMarcus Ware not make it as a first ballot Hall of Famer? Dude, how does Richard? Listen, okay. I, I love Richard Webb, too. And I, and I, and, okay, and, well, here's my thing. Richmond Webb's literally the NFL for each decade, puts out an all-decade team. He's on the NFL's 1990s all-decade team. How Bro. the hell? And you know why? It's this whole sexy stat, highlight real society we live in. It's because, you know, you know, you can't quantify, you know, pancakes and all this other stuff as Pro Bowl level, uh, sorry, as... um. Hall of Fame level, and it's ridiculous because my issue is you cannot talk about the left tackle position in the 1990s. Absolutely can't. Without mentioning Richmond Webb. He's a stud. And, and I love Zach Thomas, but guess what? You can. There's a lot of more linebackers you can talk about you know, when you talk about Zach Thomas than tackles you can talk about in the 1990s during Richmond's era during his time, like what I'm saying is there were fewer tackles, much, much fewer tackles on Richmond Webb's level in the 90s than there were linebackers uh, on on Zach Thomas's uh, level. And that's not to take anything away from Zach Thomas because Zach Thomas was the best, one of the best linebackers in the era. But if we sat here, we could name probably about five or six other linebackers that are either right there with him or above him. And 
the thing is, we can't do that with with, with Richmond Webb in the nineties. That's why it's an atrocity, bro. Well, I agree with you, but but you know, I, I'm just going off who was a finalist, who was a candidate to be no, there. I, no, no, no. I'm just it, making a case for both. Oh, I, I think Richard Webb should definitely. Be, I mean, it. it I think it, both should be Hall of Famers. I think both should have been like first, second but, ballot Hall of Famers, bro. If you want my opinion, Leroy Butler, good football player. No way in hell. Tony Baselli, what do you have? Three or four good seasons, like. Bro, I, I, I'm just dumbfounded. They do not like us, dude. I go back to Richmond Webb as my example here. Don Shula mentioned Richmond Webb in his Hall of Fame acceptance speech. Literally said, I've worked with Dwight Stevenson, Keith Sims, all Hall of Famers. And he literally said, but a man who isn't in the Hall of Fame that needs to be is Richmond Webb. Yeah, man, he kept 13 upright, no doubt. Like, no doubt. And, so and they, if they're not going to listen to Shula, do you think about Richmond Webb, you think they're going to listen to Almondo Salguero about <laughs> Zach Thomas, no. bro? No, and I think that I think that that's got to be one of the problems. We're, I, still I think... paying, we're still paying for the Parcells era when Parcells torpedoed our relationship with the media. We're still paying for it. People don't realize that. Yeah. I mean, like, cause I, I, I honestly, I I'm worried if Zach ever gets in at this point and that he'll makes, get in, he'll get I, in. I, it makes me sick. I, I, I look at the names and you know, again, I'm not here to, to go against anyone who got in, but when I saw that list come out, I was so disheartened as a dolphin fan that Zach Thomas didn't get in. But as a football fan, I was even more, you know, the five foot 11, you know, Small dude who's a fifth round pick from Texas Tech that's getting run over <laughs> by trucks and shit and comes out and he becomes, you know, a five time all pro. I, I just, it, it makes me so. And Erlacher's in there and he's basically Zach Thomas Light. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean? Erlacher was, Erlacher was never, he had more. It's because sack. of the Super Bowl appearance, bro. That's why. It makes me so sick, man. And I don't want to go on a huge rant about it, but it, it, it just, it's. Well, let's talk about the Hall of Famer for a sec. I got to ask you. Through all this Mike McDaniel stuff, through all these hirings, where's Dan Marino right now? Like, yeah, he's the yeah. one guy we have not heard a word from. And this is what I wanted to say. I wanted to ask you about he was busting out Joe Burrow's balls on the Super Bowl with like that, that tweet. You see that tweet he put out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but where has he been through this process? Like, it's interesting. It's interesting that he's been kind of absent. Uh, that that's not usually his thing. Um, I've thought about that too. Maybe he's just taking the offseason unwind and he'll be there, you know, when, when the time starts. Um, but it's interesting. It's a it's something it's a good insight that you add because I don't think a lot of people, you know, know how important Damarino is to Steven Ross, right? Like, well, yeah, we know how that's why I'm interested, Neil, because we know how much he has his ear. And right. it's like and we know, and you know, I think you heard this too, right? You know, I heard he was pushing for Doug Peterson when this all started and yep. That's his boy, you know, and I know the Dolphins did not, you know, I knew from the rip, as I'm sure you did, that they were only going to announce candidates that they had to announce in terms of guys they had to request interviews for. But like, you know, Peterson and people who were not in Caldwell and Harbaugh, people who weren't employed, they weren't intending to announce that if they were going to go down that path. And it's surprising that, you know, Peterson didn't really, you know, we didn't really hear much about him. He wasn't even one of the candidates we were hearing potentially behind the scenes that that they weren't talking about to the media. And, you know, we know that's his boy. It was just kind of, uh, and, you know, the last thing I've heard about Marino was that when this whole started about Flores, 
was when Flores got fired, you know, last thing I heard about Marino was that he was telling Ross, you know, he was pushing for Peterson. And then since then, I haven't heard a peep. And all I've heard is Tom Garfinkel's got a ton of power. Well, I love Dan Marino, but I'm actually happy that they let they ran their own process for once and didn't listen to what other people were telling them to do. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I would I would have been okay with Doug Peterson. I liked him as a coach, honestly. So, but I, I think the young, innovative Mike McDaniel is the way we needed to go. I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, and, and it brings us to some interesting questions. I, you know, there, there's a couple key free agents. You know, we know the Dolphins have the most cap space in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go out and have to sign your own and, and that could change drastically. And there's two big names that are lingering out there. There's the tight end, Mike Yosicki, and there's the, the defensive end, Emmanuel Agba. And yeah. both have and the players. and the name in the shadows, X, who's going to want to be more money uh, tacked on or traded. Yep. Yeah, I, I think one thing that like I just want to steer away from, uh, you know, when I join these Twitter spaces and talk about free agents and contracts, like when, when you do it and you're, you're 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 like giving people like Mike Gesicki eight million dollars for extension. It, it, it's not reality. Like you, you got to look at what the average market is. You got to yeah. look at what the top paid tight ends are. And yeah. whether you think he is or not, that's where he's going to fall. That's what happens in free agency. Why do you think all of his buddies from his tight end school last year were going out and saying he's a top five tight end, top ten tight end right. in the NFL? Mike Gesicki is going to get thirteen to fourteen million dollars a year. I, I mean, it, it, whether you like it or not, that's if what he's he- listed as a tight end, you know. He wants to be listed as a receiver. If he's listed as a receiver, if you franchise tag him alone, it's going to be much more than that. So, so again, in or out on Mike Kosicki for me, I, I would say that I have, if I had to say in or out and there was no middle ground, I, I think it's hard to let that good of a pass-catching weapon leave your organization despite his limitations as a blocker. But even the receivers need to be blockers, not just the tight ends. Right. Yeah, you know. I, I just think if you got an offensive-minded coach who came in, you, you, whether his blocking's awful, but he's probably a top-five receiving tight end in football uh, when you look at his skill set. Like, I mean, he needs work. We have the right coaches to help him get there. I'd rather sign Mike Kosicki than Emmanuel Agba long-term. Um, I, I believe in the trajectory of Mike Kosicki more. Uh, my My – Cheating answer is that I would like to tag him with a second round tenure, which allows us to match any offer he has. If not, we get compensated with a second round pick, which is what we gave him. We we drafted him with and a team like the Chargers, a team like the Jaguars that are sniffing around and looking for tight ends. uh, You know, look, I I know the Chargers are going to be um, a competitor of ours, but I don't think that's a bad route to take if you're not. I agree. Sold on more uh, flexibility in the draft, bro. And we got Hunter Long. I think Durham Smite's only going to ask for like four to five million dollars. Yeah. 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 And then you bring him back, and then you got Shaheen in the room. And if you don't draft a a fullback or you don't get a fullback, you got Seathan Carter who can play that if you need him to. And I like Hunter Long. I I like him a lot still, man. I I, like I think Hunter Long, uh, you know, with who we brought in, John Embry and, and all these guys in, in Frank Smith, I think Hunter Long could be a big benefactory of benefactor of what's going on right now. The three players on offense that I think to take the biggest jump with with and Applebaum, you know, Applebaum knows him. It's for me the three players that I think could take the biggest jump, and, and my honorable mention is going to be Lynn Bowden. But I, I think Austin Jackson could take a huge jump in this offense because of his athleticism. I think Hunter Long has the potential to take off 
drastically in this. And then obviously I think Tua Tungavaloa can really flourish. Oh, in, my three? This. My three would be Tua. I think Jalen Waddle is going to be outer worldly. Yeah, I see. I already have him as elite man. Like I, yeah. I, I'm so sold on that guy. But like, I think now, I think we're going to be talking like top five, top ten, top five receiver in the NFL potentially this He's year. He's going to close that gap on Jamar Chase. Yeah. Oh, the gap's already closed. It's just they two different style of offenses, so you couldn't see you. You, you know, we never challenged the top of defense, so you didn't get to see him to display that. Um, and he didn't have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd drawing defenders. Everything just flowed to Waddle. Um, so I'd say well, Waddle's going to be outer-worldly. Um, I think two is going to take a step forward. I do agree, Hunter Long. Um, I think Hunt is going to get even better. And I yeah, think... I do, um, I do too. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, Austin Jackson, I think he's going to be at least serviceable in this in this offense and under this coaching staff. I think he's going to... He's definitely going to look better. So yeah. hopefully it's not die too. I think Lynn Bowden. Oh, Lynn Bowden's gonna be explosive. That him under Welker. Yeah. Him and Welker are gonna have fun. a lot of similarities, man. And when you talk about the guy who's got the body and the frame to and can yep. run the Debo stuff, right, there, right. there's your Bowden right that's, there, that's, right? That's the vision I have. I I, I, I honestly, think Waddle, I think the way they want run Waddle, I think people are talking about oh, they're gonna run him like Brandon Ayuk. I don't agree with that. He's way more dynamic than Ayuk. I think it's going to be a total new. I think Waddle's going to be Waddle. Like how everyone wants to run people like Debo. People are going to be saying, I want to run you like Waddle. You know what I mean? When this season ends, the best player in the Miami Dolphins, with all due respect to Xavier Howard, is going to be Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. I agree with that. I mean, Jalen Waddle's a superstar already. It's going to be, if we get the right safety coach in there, it's going to be him or Javon Holland. I agree. Yeah, and and, and honestly, while we're at it, man, what we saw out of Jalen Phillips in the snap count that he had last year, when that boy hits the next next (laughs) – the next, next level year, I mean, man, that rookie class is so good, man. I mean, that's what gives me hope about. I'm this. just worried. You know what I'm worried about, dude? Both of those guys, when they really started popping, is when you can align when the rumors are that Brian Flores and Gerald Alexander took over the defense. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, but I, I, I'm at, I, and so my final verdict is I'm in on Mike Yasicki, but I wouldn't ignore. If you could get draft compensation for, uh, um, personally, I'm out on Mike Gusecki at that cost. But objectively, I do. I have a sneaking suspicion, and that's why I I have not. I have a sneaking, and I told you this before we went live here. I got a sneaking suspicion. Mike McDaniel is going to see him as too big of a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that too. That's what I, I think. And I said to you, I think that's why they brought in all these tight end guys. You know, are they trying to make him a better blocker? Are they saying, you know what, there's too much of a weapon here. You know, let's make him a better route runner. And let's try and work on his willingness and his ability as a blocker. Well, and everyone gets the excuses if we're talking about how bad the staff was. You know what, we we, we, we do it for like, you know, we do I'm it telling for you, bro. We do Ember- it for everybody. I, there's so gas. much similarities between Jordan Cameron and Mike Gesicki. Yeah. And I, like, so, you know, and Embry, I'm just saying, I think Embry's going to look at him and be like, yeah, we can't let him walk. And what do you think their boy Kittle's telling them? Well, it, it, that and, and the fact he's young, man, and he's shown a lot of promise. Like, uh, his stats weren't where I wanted him last year, 708 yards or whatever, and two touchdowns. 
but he also wasn't on the field that much. Yeah. So, like Brian Flores, man, like to to a lot of people's agreement, when he's a stuck on something, he's so stubborn, stubborn yeah. that it doesn't change. Like. My, that's why Mike Kosicki looked so miserable the second half of that season. And that's why he threw him under the bus about not having a, a game plan for the rain. But we see it as, like, the guy's upset because, you know, he, he's not playing football, the game he loves, you know, the field. But you also got to think, he was in a contract year, and Flores could potentially cost him millions of dollars by the lack of production. And this is how that man feeds his family. So, I, you know, like, when Mike Kosicki's upset, and like, you know, I've heard people say he's not a good teammate – like, man, if people are stealing money from your pockets and putting you in a chance not to maximize your potential in the biggest year of your life, I, I think your rookie deal, the last year of your rookie deal is the biggest contract of your life because if you don't make it, you probably will never get that big payday. And so, like, for Mike Kosicki, like, I, I, I'd hate Brian Flores if I was him too. And he's never come out and said that. But, man, body language is a son of a gun, right? Like, you can read that and see. Yeah. And I'm in full agreement with Tua and Gesicki that if if this guy's stubbornness was costing them their future in the NFL, the game they've loved, the game that they're trying to make a living off of, you know, so be, the, the guy's gone. And, and I'm glad. And, and I actually think, just like I've said, I think we'll see our best Tua Tungavaloa go in the future. I think we'll see our best Mike Gesicki going in the future. I, I you know, I, I like Mike Gesicki as, as a football player, despite his limitations. I think that he has some strengths, and with coaching and refinement, I look. I mean, like the tight ends outside of George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Rob Gronkowski. I, I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Waller. Aaron Waller. I mean, after you get through those five, it, it's a very pedestrian list, in my opinion. I, Mike Isicki could easily uh, fall in that six to eight range with right coaching and the right opportunity. Uh, so you know, we've seen him be a game changer. You know, so I, I just hope that we can build it. The other guy, Emmanuel Agba, to be honest, I'm out. Um, I've I've appreciated what he's done his two years in Miami. He had a brilliant season last year. Love that he led the league in deflections. When I saw the price tag was going to be 15 to $16 million, I, I, I jumped out. Um, I, you know, I just don't think he's that type of player. I think you have Jalen Phillips and AVG on your roster, and – you can find good talent in the second round, third round of this draft. You can go out there and get maybe a Hassan Reddick if you want to spend on it. Um, you can go out there and get Jadavian Clowney, who's turned us down twice. I mean, there's just players out there that I think are better players than Emmanuel Agba at this point. I'm out. You know, $15, $16 million for Emmanuel Agba. I, I just think that's too rich. Yeah, I think you're sleeping on a couple guys. But, yeah, I, got, uh, I have Gusecki, like, Hovering around ten, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, if he hits his upside, like, like I think Kyle Pitts is already <laughs> better yeah, than him. Yeah, Kyle um, Pitts. Is I think you can make the argument that like Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox are more complete guys, and they offer you like definitely some receiving upside. Yeah, but man, I, I mean, and again, I don't want to make this about Tua, but catching balls from Josh Allen and Dak Prescott in those offenses got to be pretty fun. Yeah, well, I like Noah Fant. I, I, I like Noah Fant better, and because he's more complete. And who the hell is he catching footballs from? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I, I got I got him in that like eight eight ish range because like same thing. I think a guy like T.J. Hawkinson, I think he can be great, but like who the hell ends up being great in uh, Detroit, right? So I do agree. You know, he's like in that eight to ten range for me, Gasecki. I think the reason why is because of how, um, you know, 
his lack of route running ability and his lack of blocking, like he's just not complete enough. You know what I mean? Like being a one trick pony, I can't call you top five at your position. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think he's top five. I, but I, I think if a team like the Chargers who are sniff around him. Oh, and the Jags, he nailed it. Those both make a ton of sense. 110%. Yeah, but if he was there with Herbert, man, I, I think he would be freaking thriving in this league. Like, Oh, for I, sure. Like the way um, Herbert hits those the seams, I mean, it'd be a thing of beauty. But I, I think, I, yeah, I, I we'll see. It's gonna. Be- I do have a sneaking suspicion they're bringing him back. Well, they they just released that dolphin like video, and uh, he was all up in it. Yeah, yeah, he was all over, and so was his. It just makes Howard, sense. I, I kept saying to myself, like, I looked at all the t- guys with tight end experience he brought in on the coaching staff, and then I looked at him, and I was like, they're gonna look at him as too big of a weapon when he gets the ball and when he's thrown to. Like, that's well, what's gonna have them salivating. They're gonna say, even if we can make him. A competent blocker and route runner. We got something here. Uh, yep. So on Agba, in or out for you? I think Agba is a bigger cog to our defense than Gasecki would be to our offense in the long term. So I would be more in on re-signing Agba because I think him and you know, you know, we could bring back Smythe for three to five million. We've got Hunter Long in the room. We've got Shaheen already in the room. You know. I mean, after Jalen Phillips, I mean, what do we have? And don't Van tell Ginkle. me Andrew Van Ginkle because he ain't Ogba, bro. He ain't Ogba, but he, he... he's not on Ogba's level, dude. Ogba is very, very good, man. Well, very he, good. Very like, good player, no doubt. But I, I think $16 million is for great players. I really do, man. Like, we we only have two on our roster. I would be fine with paying him between 12 to $14 million. Yeah, I, I but it's heard. when we start getting fifteen to over, and which is what I've heard since Boyer got named the defensive coordinator. I've heard the price went up to fifteen plus. If it's that, then you got to walk. Basically, yep. I'm willing to walk off both guys because of their tags. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you know I, what I mean. I, but I, if you're gonna ask me, gun to my head, you have to sign one. I would take Ogba. I think he's a bigger cog to what we do, and we need to keep as much as our defense intact. Whereas Mike McDaniel and everyone there, I think they can build an offense with or without Kaseki. Yeah. Now last one then that we didn't really talk about, uh, Devonte Parker, is he on this roster? Not if he's in or out, not in or out, but is he on the roster week one next year? He's so cheap. I, I, I yeah, I agree. I think that's why they might keep him around because of his cheapness. But if you're Mike McDaniel and you took this job and you watch tape, and look, we know that he's injury prone, but if you yeah. put on the tape of Devontae Parker, yeah, and you see those splash catches, because when Devontae's catching those high point balls, yeah, him and Tua have chemistry more, too. There might not be, and I'm, I'm and I'm not trying to say he's the best in football. I'm thinking out loud though, like I can't he's tell you the lead high point catcher. Yes, yeah, I mean it's just. The, he can make catch the contested catch, that tough catch. And the sideline, on the sideline, and get both feet in. And you know what another thing is? I think Tua likes them. And oh, they have chemistry, man. They they really get yeah. along. I know that for a fact, yeah. I, I, I'm in on Devontae Parker being a Dolphin. At his price tag, they're yep. going to be in, bro. I'm telling you but, right now. And, and I heard that if they tried to trade him, that the expected compensation would be a fifth-round pick. i take Devontae Parker with over a fifth-round pick all day, every day. Yeah. Because then, I mean, then you're see going what you to... can get out of him in the first year in the offense. 
when you're looking at Parker, Waddle, and Bowden being your your definites, and then you got to go out there and get two other guys to yeah. come in. And, and I would play. bring back Mac Hollins. Just where is he? Why not? Yeah, I know. Even Why for the gunner him? role, bro? Like he's one of the oh, best gunners in the NFL. Uh, I think Mac Mac Collins is, is more than a gunner. Bring him sure. back. Special teams agenda, baby. Matter Matteriza. Culture, culture guy too. Matt right? Matteriza, third to fourth round, San Diego <laughs> State. Let's go, baby. I want a guy who can kick it ninety yards. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I, I'll tell you this right now. One unrestricted free agent that I'm out on a hundred percent is Michael Pilardi. Don't let that guy in the facility. No, take his lock cleats, him out. Take his key card. He should never be allowed in that facility Lock him again. Out. Watching him punt this year was as pathetic as a thing of I've watched as a Dolphins fan in forever. Get mad at Reza, baby. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I, he's a luxury for the Dolphins. I mean, look, the Dolphins do have two. But if you play, punters. if you play your free agency properly, you will be able to afford a luxury pick like that on day two. Oh yeah, and, and look, how, like I, I like I don't. I don't hate or put my nose up at any draft picks, but how many pe- people are you getting in the fourth round that are starting? Yeah, but it's not even that. Like the reason why I'm okay with him even taking him in the third, I've never wanted a punter in the draft before. And the reason why I want him is because he's a legitimate weapon and game changer. And when I say game changer, yeah, the field. Feet, yeah exactly. Field position can, <laughs> you know, I think with him we can and the guy kicks 50 plus yard field goals. So what doesn't he do? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? We do we even need Jason Sanders? All he needs to do is to learn to learn to throw the football and he can be our pass punch and kick guy, bro. And he can just and he lays the lumber when he tackles. So, you know, I just think like a guy like that that can change field position, that can help swing momentum, that can help change the outcome. I mean, how many times did we see us get pinned back, you know? At our 20-ish, 25, Pilardi comes out and shakes a punt, and the other team is starting at their own 45, and they only got to go 20 yards to add points. No. Yep, right? Yeah. And the one thing about a punter is guess what? There's not much to coach up. It's the yeah. leg. Go kick the football. Our, our special teams is the worst I've seen in football last year. Yeah. I mean, it, I hope Jason Sanders could get back on track. But it wasn't just that, man. Our coverage sucked. Uh, our return game was pathetic. Like yeah. I, I look, Jakeem Grant had to go, but we took a hurting in the punt and kick returns when he did. Like even Jalen Waddle hasn't lived up to the hype there. Like I, I don't know what it is. Uh, Danny Crossman should not be back here coaching. He is, and it is what it is. But special teams matter when you're a team that's on on the on the bubble of being a playoff team. But I, I don't hate Matarese being a pick at all. I, I think you got a year one Pro Bowl caliber caliber starter, and I think that's a way better good value i mean you get that no. in the third and fourth that's a steal right now yeah and, and I, I think you could get him in the fourth i like the, it's very rare that we see a punter go that high and i still think that you know i you know a team that i told you this before we got on a team like the baltimore ravens with compensatory pick i mean i like i, I was like dash my hopes my friend no but they always they're, they're the team, they're the team that always gets the guy that i have and they get it right in front of us like 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 J.K. Dobbins stands out. I mean, it's happened so many times that we did it to them. Though we got Hunt. Yeah, no, they wanted Robert Hunt. Yeah, that's true. No, that's 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 a good point. But yeah, man, hey, no, off season's taken away. The coaching staffs come together. Oh, I mean, wait, we're, we're what we're what are we? So what's today's date? Uh, we're less than a month away from free agency yeah. now. Uh, that's gonna be fun. I, I'm I'm totally totally excited for that. Um, I, I'm like, you know, I usually at this time, I've already had a mock draft out, but I, I, like I said, 
I'm I'm holding back to see free agency because I want to first see where the quarterback movement goes because I think that changes so much, right? Like I think yeah. I just saw today that Jimmy G could be had for a second round pick. Like a team like Washington seems like such a good fit. Even a team Washington like, needs to get in on the Watson talks is what Washington. Yeah, I, don't, I I think I think Watson's going to end up in Tampa Bay, man. I, I just have a feeling that they're going to be willing to take a chance. Bruce Arians not getting younger. They have a roster that's ready to win now. Vikings just said they're going to stick with Kirk Cousins. Um, and then I, I would also keep an eye on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I know they love Malik Willis, though. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to see people trade up during the draft. I think the Steelers trading up for Malik Willis is one thing that I could definitely see happening. But, you know, you got to see because, like, the Saints don't really have their quarterback on the roster. Are the Eagles going to keep Jalen Hurts? Are they going to package some of these draft picks? I mean, there's just so many questions that are going to be answered in the next month. Who's going to get franchise tagged? Like, I, I, and I don't believe the Giants are sticking with Daniel Jones. I think at five or seven, they're going to they're going to pull the trigger. That I would see, but that's the kind of moves that like change the entire foundation of a. Draft. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. You look at Kafka coming over there and such, and you look at Malik Willis. Kind of fits what they what what he ran with Josh Allen, Dable. So the the, the biggest surprise that I have right now when looking at the draft is I think. Senior Bowl standout Jermaine Johnson is going to be a top 15 pick. Whether I have him there or not, it's a different story. I think he's going to be overdrafted, and I, I think he's going to go higher. Good, that bumps a better player down to 29. Let's go. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess we can end on that note. Uh, you know, yes, so not doing any mock drafts, but who, no who, mock drafts. Who's your guy? Cody leaves AEW. The world's flipped upside down right now, Neil. Yeah, I hear you. But you know, at 29 right now, like who are the guys? Give me three guys that you have on your radar. At 29? Yep. Um running back, which I don't think they're going to take. Um I don't know, you know, especially after we talked about the senior bowl, you know, and hearing they like Trevor Penning. What if they reach there at 29? Um I do think you're on to something with Zion Johnson. Because of, of the tie, obviously, to Apple yeah, and, Ball. And, and they love versatility, and he's yeah. versatile. I think if a receiver that makes sense there is sitting there, it makes sense in what they want to do. Like you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind taking a David Bell there. You know what I mean? If, I mean, if Drake London or Jamison Williams or. Um, Traylon Burks is there. You run the freaking card up there and you don't even second guess it. But I would be fine if they took a David Bell there as well. Um, there's multiple options and avenues I'm down with. Like, you know, if they found fell in love with two guys that talked about Abraham Lucas and Daniel Fallel in the draft and in, in the draft process, and they didn't believe they'd be there at 50 and they wanted to take them there at 29. I mean, I'd be fine. I mean, there's a lot of options there at 29 this year, I think. Yeah, I I think this is I I typically am against trading up in the draft. Traylon Burks and Drake London are very tempting for me to say trade up. I'm sorry. They, I look at them in this offense and I'm well, like, oh, honestly, my God. if if you take Evan Neal and Equanu out of the equation, they'll be gone by five. No, I'm just saying, like, if I could have any player for the Dolphins. Right. I think I think Traylon Burks would be in the top five of that list. I really do. If I'm looking at, I'd this. love to see Charles Cross. I think he'd be sick. Yeah. In this, uh, um, but 
Yeah, no, Traylon Burks in this D in this offense, bro. Oh my god. But I I think you're onto something with a guy like David Bell. I think David Bell's a guy that is going to pick up a lot of steam as the draft comes on. Um, if by some chance he does fall, because you know, typically interior offensive linemen don't always go that high. I I, I and I don't really care about his lack Can of size. And I put this a quote: Tyler Lindenbaum is oh. I mean, he's the best center I've ever, I've ever. He's scouted. the zone. That's that's another guy. You, that's another guy who has been on my radar. Twenty nine, because if you look at him, what is he? Two ninety two, I believe, right? Two ninety two. You look at him; he's perfect for your zone too, right? Like he's built to be a center in our outside zone scheme. If you actually think about it, and well, he moves think like it too. If you think about the biggest gap between the first ranked and second ranked, it's him. Ranked it's, player, center. it's center. It's him, and, and and the only thing that's even close to it to me is Kyle Hamilton at safety. But other yeah, than yeah. other than that, man, like I like and and you like no, Daxton, I, I like him, but like you know, I I think we're uh, I, Eric Rowe could be a surprise cut for us, man. I, oh, I, I think he's gone, dude. I think he's gone. He's a Flores guy. Yeah, I think he's yeah. gone. I think Brandon Jones, like Cordy, yeah, all those guys are gone. Yeah, I, like I, I think we, I, I really do think the Dolphins are on the market for a safety in the, in the middle. Of you think draft. Brandon Jones? I think he's going to be a. I think he's going to be the, get the opportunity to start, but I, I think they're still going to need a third safety mm. in, in their defense. Um, you know, so like you know, I, 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 there's there's some names there. There's the kid Kirby Joseph from Illinois, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, who I like a lot. Uh, my alma mater has a good player, Nick Cross from Maryland, who, who's kind of an under the radar. What do you think guy. of Brendan Smith from Penn State? Yeah, yeah, I, I love him. If he could fall to us in round three, uh, I would run to the podium with it. I think he's going to have be a better pro than he was collegiate player. You know, I, like I think we're going to tackle offensive line in free agency. I, I, I think, you think they're going to try and draft Alec Lindstrom. Yeah, yeah, in like the fourth or fifth round for sure. Yeah, yeah go get him. I. I they're gonna attack like I, I I for some sneaking sneaking suspicion. I think they're gonna get a receiver before the draft, but they need a running back. How much do you think they're gonna pay? This is the question that we need to figure out the the answer to. How much do you think they're allocating towards the receiver position in free agency? Are they looking to make a splash, or are they looking to get one of those guys who he's not splash. top tier, but he's like. On the cusp of top tier. Oh, so like, what are we saying? A splash would be like Chris Godwin, right? And Allen Robinson would be a splash. Okay, so because okay, man. So I'm a little bit different, and people are going to tell me I'm an idiot. My approach to free agency is a little bit different. As I already said, Jensen Tomlinson, Pat Ricard, the guy I want at receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster. Love him because I think he's a. I think he's a great slot guy. I think he's going to cost you ten million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I, I like you're looking at what you can spend because right, like the goal is to fill as many needs as you can in free agency. So, say Jensen's twelve million, Tomlinson's ten million, Juju's ten million. I've spent 30. 30, 32 million. Pat Ricard's four as a fullback, thirty six. After cuts, when I did it, I had us at eighty five million. So I just did that. It's not forty nine million. And have forty nine million dollars in the cap space, so I'm I'm probably bringing Matt Collins back for one year, three million dollar deal, um, and then you can probably go out and get yourself two more quality starters. I think a linebacker could be a good one, uh, like um, a guy who, who's maybe a little unheralded is AJ Johnson from Denver. I um, want Denzel Perryman. 
I wanted him last. I wanted him last off season. He got signed on the cheap for a one year deal, and he was awesome this past year. But I, I like the linebackers in the draft a lot. So in, in my scenario, outline that I what I would do. I'd probably in a surprise move. I'd keep Kasicki, and then I'd go sign an edge defender, and potentially even look for an upgrade over Agba, so that when I went to the draft, I would need a running back. One more lineman, a, a value wide receiver, meaning probably someone in the third or fourth round. And honestly, like then some depth at safety and be good. So, I mean, there's a lot you can do um, here. So, like, like I'll even say they resign Gasecki, Agba, add Jensen, Tomlinson, Ricard, and Juju. And then you go to the draft. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's going to be a good offseason because Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer's job's on the line, right? Like, yeah. that dude's going to spend money. They're going to yeah. spend money. They want to look good. They want playoffs. The, 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 it's a new coach. The new coach usually takes over a four and five win team. Like, this guy's got to come off a team that's won 10 and nine games back to back, respectively. I mean, the expectation for me is playoffs. Still, still, like, I, like my expectations aren't changing. I think this team is a playoff caliber roster with the cap space they have in draft capital. I I think it really is. And I I think that we're going to see improvement at the offense at at a drastic level where they go from the bottom feeders to a middle of the pack offense probably in the first year. The defense probably goes and falls to like a middle of the pack defense. And and I'm good with that. And and I think they if they have the ball, the, the ball bounce, you know, not their way a lot last year. A couple of those plays in Jacksonville and Atlanta, like that's just bad luck. I, I think some of that luck can turn. Um, you're going to have a younger, hungrier team. The the frustration of the Brian Flores era, the belittlement of the quarterback and players on the roster are gone. They're rejuvenated. They've won that war. That coach is gone. I, I just think that this is a team that has to take that step. It's now or never. And like, you know, this is Tua's team, and he needed to hear that. You know, I love Tua as a player. I'm excited to see him with everything around him, um, you know, built for him to be successful. I'm not sitting here today telling you that I think he's going to be a uh, MVP. Um, I hope that we're saying that as we continue to talk on these weeks and weeks. But I'm pretty damn excited. Um, March can't get here soon enough. Draft can't get here soon enough. We have all of our draft picks. We didn't trade them all. You know, so I, I, I love draft season, man. Um, I believe that you can get good players at 29. Um, I think the beauty of this year's draft is there's five players that are probably blue chip players. And there's 20 that are probably borderline first after that. And then after that, between the second and third round, you got a lot of people that are, are just, you know, slight margin difference. Uh, you can get great players. And we have picks 29 and 50 as it stands today. You know, Chris Greer um, has been a pretty good magician at multiplying draft picks for the Dolphins. I, I think there's moves to be made. Um, you know, 29 is a prime trade back spot. Teams want quarterbacks get the fifth-year option. I, you know, I just think there's going to be a lot of momentum. You know, the question that I ask myself is when it's the first day of free agency and Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are on TV, are the Dolphins going to make a splash sign-in? So everything I just said is what I want to do. I'm with you. I, I think that there's a strong chance that they're going to sign Taron Armstead. I, I think that that could be one of the first. Frank Smith ties. Yeah. 
yeah, that the, the need, the the need for a veteran offensive lineman, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, you, you talk about the draft, like when healthy, Taron Armstead's as good as any player that you could get available um, in, in this draft. And, and I love Evan, you and them. So like there, there's, there, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a big splash. Uh, it is. I mean, you could count on Taron Armstead for a good four or five years of that contract. So if you pay him four years, $80 million, uh, you know, it's a lot of money, but he's a damn good football player. I mean, you know, he automatically drop, drop, drops in here as a top five player on this football team. So I, I think if you had, like asked me the splash, that's probably the splash. I'm with you 100%. All right, man. So uh, we're going to get out of here. Um, a little interesting thing, uh, Neil. Um, on February 20th, I believe, the I Am Athlete episode with Brian Flores is coming out. And I don't know if you've seen the preview, but he said he had a good relationship with Tua. Ooh. So it's going to be interesting to see is February Pinocchio, Is Pinocchio the guest star? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right, man. We're going to get out of here. Uh, it was a good conversation, man. Uh, man, we went uh, over an hour and 11 minutes. and You, uh, you know what sucks, man? We got six months to a damn football game. <laughs> but we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about in those six months, my friend. Draft season. Draft season. Let's go. And free agency. Right. All right, and training camp, um, which I'm going down for this year. I don't know about you, but I'm going down for training camp this year. You can pull, you can pull my arm. Let's go. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everyone for diving fin too deep with us. We'll be back next week right back here. Until next time, everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, it's fins up all day, every day. <laughs>